Good morning. We're in a series about generosity and what it means for us to be a generous people of God. And we began the first week, two weeks ago, by looking at, at God and how he is generous in his very nature, that it's just part of his being, and that he wants us, as his people, to be generous like he is generous. But Simon pointed out that giving is not necessarily the same as generosity because we can give out of our excess. We can meet all our needs first and then we can give what is left over. And that is not generosity. Simon also talked about the idea of having a scarcity mindset where we, we earn money and so we consume and then we lack and so we fear and it begins all over again. And we get into a cycle where we think that we simply don't have enough. And of course the truth is that we will never have enough when we have that mindset. But God has a generous mindset and that's how he wants us to see life as well. And last week we looked at living generously with one of the examples being Jesus when he fed over 5,000 people. And the disciples, when they saw the crowd, they were overwhelmed with the idea of trying to feed them and they said, where will we get enough food? We don't even have enough money to buy food for all these people, which is a scarcity mindset. But God had a generous mindset to give from what we have. And everyone was fed because of a generosity mindset. And so today, we're looking at generous worship. What it means to be generous in our worship of Almighty God. But before we explore the idea of generous worship, we need to understand what worship is. And we can worship many things. We can worship our cars, we can worship our homes, we can worship a career. We can even worship our family, and we can worship ourselves. And when we think of how we worship God, I think for many of us that sometimes we think it's just coming to church and singing songs, and that's what worship is. And it can be, but worship is about giving reverence to God, where reverence is respect, it's awe, it's devotion to God. In the Old Testament and in the New Testament Greek, the word for worship is to bow down. And bowing down is a, a posture that we take where we get on our knees and we, we completely lower ourselves before somebody else. It's a physical way of saying that you are greater than me, that I come under your lordship, that I come under your direction, that I recognise your authority over my life, that you are worthy of all honour and praise, that you are worthy of my obedience. So true worship has this sense of submission in it, a sense of humility, that we are coming before an almighty God who is so powerful and so amazing and I am part of his creation. And so I bow down and I worship God. 
So we can worship God when we sing with his glory in our minds, in our hearts. We can worship him when we give our money, when we share our resources. And we can worship God when we're obedient to his word. But true worship is none of these particular actions because these actions need to come from a heart, a heart that sees God as totally glorious, as totally holy, as totally powerful, a heart that is so full of his understanding, the compassion that he has for us, the grace and the mercy that he has showered on us. So true worship, I would say, is the extravagant, extravagant honouring of God in total submission to him. And I remember when Jesus was being anointed by Mary and the disciples were very upset that this extravagant gift of oil that could have funded their mission for years and years was being used on Jesus' feet. And Jesus said that she is doing a good thing. That's part of the generosity, the extravagance of God. It is a reverence for him and a humility in who we are before such an almighty God. So we worship God when we bow down to him as our Lord and Saviour. It's kind of cool that we get to share a sermon. It brings out lots of different opinions. We're being generous with what we have to say. <laughs> no, uh, so... It's great definition of worship. Um, generosity in itself, though, is an act of worship. Would you agree? That's my thing too, by the way. So if I say, would you agree or do you get me? Just click your fingers or something. And I'm trying to learn not to say that, so I'll learn. Thanks, yeah. Generosity in itself is an act of worship. Like Kerry said, it can be towards a car. You can be generous towards your car. You can be generous to your family. You can be generous in different ways. But if you're being generous to God, then that's worshipping God. It's an odd thing to think because God doesn't actually need anything from us. So to be generous in our worship is actually humbling ourselves to the point where we can actually give something to God. Which brings us to the point that I want to talk about. Posture. And posture is often the thing I think about when I'm in the gym. You know, going down for a bench press. And uh, you have to make sure your shoulder blades are tucked in. But it's just as important to have a correct posture when you come to worship God as it is if I was to be doing exercise, if I was just trying to maintain my position. In fact, I would go to say it's more important. It's more important to have the correct posture, whether it's coming on a Sunday morning, whether it's expressing worship in your life, whether it's going into the service on a Wednesday morning. You need to have that correct posture. Now let me talk about maybe music more specifically because um, um, that's sort of where we do a lot of our, if not 80% of our understanding of worship. You know, in church we come and we sing and we sing a lot in our church. You know, we got maybe 70% of it as music. Let me tell you a story about it. I was going to a conference called Hillsong Conference. Who knows what Hillsong Conference is? 
Anyone, everyone's heard of Hillsong Conference? If you haven't, it's this big conference that Hillsong runs for everyone. A lot of people come, about 40,000. And what happens is they have these times of music. And when those times of music, there, me and my cousin, last time I went, were standing there and we'd do these ones. Because we're very good Christians and we don't really know... Well, it's not that we don't know, but we're, we feel more comfortable like this. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, sometimes we would even sit down halfway through a song. I know, blasphemy. No, that's not right at all. We would sometimes sit down and that's okay. Now, this story about being in Hillsong, one day we were actually, it was the last day of the conference. It was the fourth day. And we wanted to get really cheeky. And we said to each other, we're feeling like we want to open ourselves up more. So we're going to try and raise our hands. So we came to the worship time. And the worship time of the conference. And we started with these ones. Because we didn't want to draw too much attention to ourselves. Actually, it was probably more down near our knees so people couldn't see that we wanted to engage with it. And then slowly we, we brought them up to a second song. We're around in our, our waist. But it's just an open hand thing. You know, we weren't really bending from the elbows. And towards the end, we, we got like this. And I saw my cousin did this. I wasn't that brave. But I, I did these ones and blocked the view for the words for the people next to me. But we, we had the hands raised, right? And there's nothing in it about hand raising that correlates to your expression of worship, but what it facilitates is an open heart. See, in the lifting of the hands, what we were saying in that time was, God, we actually want to make this time something for you. And for us, there was an essence of we want to lift you up when we started coming above the knees more so, but we want to put you higher than what we feel comfortable with. And that's a lot of what this posture is about, is how do you put yourself into something that's more than us in this time? We have this phenomenon around the globe at the moment, don't we, where it's what's yours is mine and what's mine is mine. You know, what's yours is mine, what's mine is mine. And it's hard for us to give something of ourselves. And, you know, it's fed by businesses saying, buy this, buy this, buy this. And if you have a big bank account, then you'll be successful or seen as powerful. And uh, we have this selfishness that's encouraged in us by the secular world. Instead, worship is, about, is something that is a gift that we give an opportunity. Sorry. Instead, with worship being something that is a gift that we give an opportunity for us to express our gratitude and thankfulness for, to God. It turns an expectation, an expectation that God will come meet us where we are at and he'll give us an experience that we want to actually us seeing what God wants for us and allowing him to fill us with what he has planned for us. I've been listening to a song lately, and uh, it, it's, it's more about faith, but it speaks directly, if you change a few of the words too, into actually what worship is. And I'd like to share that in a second, but first I want to share this quote with you. It's a quote that I was reading recently, and it's, No matter what the bird is, it is perfect for the bird. 
And then I added this second bit, but the bird has to recognise it's a bird. Now, if you put worship in where the bird is, no matter what the worship is, it is perfect for the worshipper. But the worshipper has to recognise the worship. You see what it does? Your expression of worship is going to be different to my expression of worship. And that's okay. That's perfect, actually. Because God just wants you in that moment. But you have to be in a correct posture to be able to engage with that worship. So I mentioned that I had been listening to a song. These are the lyrics of one of the the parts of the song. And it will come up on the screen. It says this. Worship is not a call to believe in things when common sense tells you not to. This is talking about what Curry said about what is worship. Worship is not a mindless stab in the dark. It is not a crossing of the fingers and hoping for the best. It is not a leap into apparent nothingness. It is a word that speaks of reasoned, careful, deliberate and intentional thought. Thought about what? God and his promises. And you can't actually come to that point. You can't think about God. You can't deliberate on God. You can't have that intentional thought unless you're in that correct posture yourself. So I'm going to move into a second part before Kerry gets back up. We get, we got a, I got the double shift here. What I want to think about is that actually with worship and if we're being generous in our worship, if we're being generous with our posture in our worship, is actually there's, there's a bit of a cause of effect and effects that happen. When that happens and you engage in that and you bring God into, God comes into your moment in your life, there's actually something that happens and I'm going to say battle that happens which actually worship fights that battle for you there's a battle that happens and worship can come into your life and actually fights that battle let me explain how many people have heard about the story of joshua and the walls of jericho it's a pretty popular story what happened is the israelites came out of egypt israelites are god's people and they're walking around in the desert and in that time, they had to spend extra amount of time because they were being naughty. And so they, God punished them by making them wait time before they could go into the land he promised them. In the first city that they had to conquer before they went into the land was Jericho. Jericho, it's not actually that pretty of a, a city. I've been there, seen it. It's actually quite drab. Um, but that's, that's not the point. It's this big land and they had to walk around the walls. Now, the reason why we know this story is because on the last day when they were walking around the walls, they walked around seven times and then they shouted a shout of praise and they played their horns and then the walls came tumbling down. And there's a song about it or something somewhere, but I can't remember that one. So when I was a kid, we'd always enact this story, right? We, 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 Dad would always put up the cardboard boxes and he'd give us a kazoo. And when he said now, we'd blow on our kazoos and punch the wall and the wall would come tumbling down. It's great fun for a little boy. 
and it's great. You get to see how awesome God is in a reenactment of the story, and plus you get to knock down a wall. But as I was thinking about it this week, because there's an element of worship there, I actually noticed that this isn't so much about warfare, this story, as much as it is about worship and the power of worship and how when we honour God in that, when we lift God above it, actually he does all that work for us. And that's a very physical representation of it in Jericho there, seeing the walls come down. But there's walls in our lives that come down now with worship too. When God gave Joshua his marching orders, the Lord leaves no doubt that there is one there is he is the only one giving them the city. They can't take any credit for walking around a city wall to the fact that they actually did something to conquer the land. God's instructions to Joshua doesn't have anything to do with besieging the city. God tells them they will take the city through worship. God tells Joshua to gather the people and march around the city seven days. And then on the seventh day, they play their trumpets and they sing their song, they shout. They're probably not musically trained, they shout. No. And the walls will fall. It's worship, it's not warfare. And it's not the first time you see it. If you look into the other stories, in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, there's actually a story about a king called Jehoshaphat. Everyone say that with me, Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat. So I know you're all awake still now. Um, king Jehoshaphat. And what's happening is he's leading the people of Judah. Judah's one of the tribes of Israel. And they, what the instruction is from God to the king is sing praises as you're entering into the fight. Now what happens is the enemy is so confused by this worshipping that they actually start getting confusion and all these different sorts of fighting amongst themselves and the the Israelites didn't even have to lift a sword because they fought each other and ended up killing each other. Now I'm not saying that's what the fight is going to be that God's going to do with us but can you see what I'm saying? Regarding God actually fighting our battles for us. The world at the moment is plagued with mental health. The world at the moment is plagued with addiction. The world at the moment is plagued with all these different things. And Kerry's about to talk about some of that. But when our eyes are focused on God, his goodness, his truth, and his promises for us, he starts to fight our battles for us. And the way we let him into that is one of the ways generous worship. We win by living out radical, generous worship. What we want to do this morning is we're going to break the sermon up a little bit by doing some activities. Now, this doesn't get you up out of your seat. I know, it's exciting. (laughs) What we're going to do, we have a really great opportunity, seeing how we just talked about posture, to actually engage with some posture in worship. Now, if you're comfortable, uh, in, if you've come to church often, I'd like to put, say, I want you to shut your eyes and I want you to lift your hands or if you can't lift your hands up like this, just have them open on your lap like this, representing a posture of uh, openness and engagement. And I want your eyes to be shut. 
And if you don't come to church much and if you don't feel comfortable, what I'd like you to do is just have your eyes shut. Because even in just shutting your eyes, you're facilitating an opportunity for actually concentration. So if you're comfortable, hands open in your laps or hands up in, your, in the air. And we're going to play some music. And I want you to allow the music to actually come in and facilitate some thought around God and that time too. So we're going to play that now. And we thank you, Lord, that you give us this taste of heaven. That you give us this taste of what it's like to worship you. It is in our breath, Lord God, that we worship and praise you. Amen. Mm. There's a story in Acts 16, 11 to 40, which is when Paul and Silas were arrested and they were put in prison. And at midnight they were praying and there was an earthquake and all the walls of the prison fell down and all the shackles were released. And the jailer was so concerned that all the prisoners were going to run away that he was going to kill himself. But Paul and Silas ministered to the jailer and the jailer became a believer on that night. And so I want to look at this detail about worship and the power of worship. Paul and Silas were in prison because they'd been doing God's work. They were sharing the good news about Jesus in Philippi and many people had become believers. They'd cast a demon out of a slave girl and she was set free. Now her owners had no interest in the health or well-being of that girl. They made money off the fact that she was demon-possessed and so they complained to the authorities that Paul and Silas were creating a nuisance in their community. Without even having a trial, the magistrate ordered that Paul and Silas be stripped, be flogged, and then put into jail. And they were put in an inner cell, which meant that there was no light in that cell. They were put in that jail without any attention to their wounds, without any food, and their feet were bound in chains. So Paul and Silas, doing God's work, find themselves in jail. They're in pain, they're in filth, they're in the dark, and they probably can't sleep. So they begin praying and praising God. And then the earthquake happened. Now, the earthquake not only brought the walls down, it also freed them of the shackles of their feet. So they were free to escape if they wanted to. But they didn't. They stayed in prison. They ministered to the jailer and they submitted to the jailer's authority until morning. So even after the jailer had been saved, they didn't make an escape. They waited with the jailer until morning to hear the verdict. Paul and Silas were so focused on serving God 
that their own immediate needs, their need for their wounds to be treated, their need for food, their need for freedom, these were all secondary to their need to serve God. This is Paul and Silas worshipping Almighty God. God brought them freedom, but not the sort of freedom that we think of immediately because they could have run, but they didn't. Because they had a freedom that can't be bound by prison walls, that can't be bound by chains, that can't be bound by the circumstances that surround us, by the things that happen to us. And this is the freedom of worshipping Almighty God. It liberates us from things that would bind us. And we can have that freedom too. In whatever situation we find ourselves, if we are worshipping God, if we have our eyes upon Jesus, then it will change the way that we see that situation. So this account of Paul and Silas is to encourage us to have the same sense of worship in our lives. So we need to ask ourselves, is there an area of my life where I do not have this type of freedom? Maybe it's in an area in how you handle your emotions. Maybe you can get overcome with fear or anger or bitterness, or sadness. Or maybe there's some part of your thinking and behaving that you feel like you really don't have control over. And you're doing things that you're not comfortable with, that are not bringing glory to God. These are the areas in our lives where we need to worship God and take hold of the freedom that he has for us. Or it could be that we're simply having trouble trusting God and believing that Jesus is Lord and Saviour. So God wants us to have this freedom. Worship. He wants us to worship him in an extravagant way, in total submission to him. And we can't do this in our own power. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to convict us, to teach us, to comfort us and to lead us. And so I want to come into a time of prayer. So each of us as individuals can come before God and ask him to help us in an area of our lives where we don't have the freedom that we see that Paul and Silas had. And I will give you time to speak to God and for him to speak to you. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we sometimes struggle to accept the freedom that you have given us in Christ. So we reflect now on those areas in our life that are not submitted to you and prompt us now, Lord, to see them and speak to us about them, Lord.
We humbly ask you, Lord, that in all areas of our lives you help us to be free in you. And give us the ability to worship you with reverence, with awe, with devotion, with extravagant love and with total submission. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. One final point. We're in the series Generosity. We'll look at generosity, and as Kerry said, the previous sermons, you come to ask, how do you be generous with worship? Uh, we've got an idea, there's been an established idea if you ask someone that you come in on a Sunday or you can listen to music now at home or is, we can be generous in those ways with our worship and we can maybe commit more time to it. Uh, but are we really being worshipful generously in that? It gets to a point then if that's your standard that it becomes just the normal. How can you keep being more generous if you've already reached your uh, numerical value, say 10 minutes a day of listening to worship music or reading your Bible for two chapters a day or if you spend 10 minutes in prayer a day? See, then it's no longer working. Simon talked about the scarcity cycle and the generosity cycle. It's then putting it to fit into your agenda because that's how much I have to spare rather than actually putting faith in what you can continuously be generous with. It comes to this idea that life is worship. We've got to worship all of life generously. Paul writes this in Romans, Romans chapter 12 actually. He says, I appeal to you, or in the NLT version, if we pop that verse up, Chris, it says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let him be a living and holy, let them be a living and holy sacrifice. The kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to what? To worship him. This other verse says it like this. This is a different translation. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your, same thing, spiritual worship. There's no limit to that. It's your whole life has to be lived in worship. He goes on to, Paul goes later on in Romans 12 to does talk about being merciful. But do you notice where he starts in comparison? He starts with worship. God number one, first thing, and then show mercy. Because if there's not God as number one, if there's no worship that's the driving force of it, then you've just actually got a social agenda. Before you think that the Christian life has everything to do with being merciful to people, we actually got to realise that it first has an, a position to worship God. 
And from that, we then go be merciful. From that, we then go and do different arms of being Christ in the world. But call one is to worship. We can't let the Christian life just drift into a social agenda. A mere social agenda, you could say. Because if God is left out, our mercy becomes just that. If there's no gospel, if there's no Jesus, if there's nothing there in the way of bringing other people to God, then we're not actually meeting our call. This encapsulates the final point. Generous worship is something that has to be done in all and every aspect of life. And this sounds daunting because I look and I hope that I have a long time to go, but if it's to be in all of it, I've got to be on my at attention for all of it. But there's a lot of ways that you could even miss opportunities to be generous. It's, it's in the small things as well as the big gestures, isn't it? It's, it's in the small whispers. And that's not to say that the whispers are gossip. I'm not talking about gossip at small whispers here. I'm talking about maybe you just shoot someone now a quick message, a quick test message, just saying, hey, you did a great job. Or I, I feel like I just really want to give you some encouragement here. Or maybe it's actually a word of encouragement. Maybe it's buying a coffee. Maybe it's like, like there's a different one, taking to be with someone that needs help. It might be a five-minute phone call when you know someone's had to go into hospital. It might be a gift of a meal because they're sick. We worship in different ways, but we have to be living it. It might be a hug or a handshake, as Simon pointed out on the first week. As long as the heart and your posture isn't to gratify yourself in life, and rather it's looking to express God's love outwardly and externally, then you are living worship. Now what we want to do to finish off, there's three pictures that are going to come up. We're going to take some time and some silence, and the the pictures will be up for maybe 30 seconds each. And what I want to do is just to allow these pictures to maybe stimulate in our minds some different ways of living generously, a generous, worshipful life. Lord God, we are here because we want to worship you. We want to be generous with our worship. We don't want to hold on to any of that. So we just pray that you, as we go out, you just enable us to be able to engage with those opportunities to be present to those opportunities and aware of the moments where we can be generous as an act of of worship so that we may be able to show your love and, and grace and glory to the world we thank you for Jesus who showed us the ultimate life of worship And we pray that we might be able to look to that and be able to imply some ways that he did that into our life so we may be a light to those around us. 
We thank you, Lord. Amen.